Clap, clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast, hosted by Elliot Shore Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they come. I think very clearly, James Harden is the best number two that he's had. You know, at least in the regular season. We're going to see what James does in the playoffs. Jimmy was yeah. obviously awesome during that playoff run, but he was as apathetic as Ben and Joel were in the regular season during his time here. Had some big moments, but a lot of a lot of bullshit. We'll put it that way. Um, James Harden looks awesome, which I think is probably the biggest deal heading into the final stretch of the season, right? I was talking with you a little bit earlier that in the Brooklyn game on Saturday, they just added all kinds of good defenders, right? They have Dorian Finney-Smith. They have Mikhail Bridges. They already had Nick Claxton. They have, mm-hmm. you know, Ben is not at the level he used to be, obviously, but still a good defender. And James, while he didn't have a good game overall, he spent a lot of that game just beating up on good defensive, like taking a guy, going one-on-one, and just going right by him. Yeah. Happened again against Cleveland on Wednesday night. Evan Mobley, one of the young up-and-coming defenders in the league, they're putting him on an island against James early in that game on switches. And James got him with the same left to right crossover two or three different times, got to the rim and scored. Those plays are just not happening last season. They yeah. might not have been happening earlier this season. James came into the year looking much better, but was still not close to you know MVP level James that he was at. I think people should take a look at James's numbers right now. The volume is not the same, but James is shooting 39% from three on yeah. over seven attempts per game. And he's averaging almost 11 assists per game as the primary playmaker. You know, some of that gets padded because Joel has had an insane year and blah, blah, blah. But their Mm -hmm. best offense is you give James the ball, you run a pick and roll with Joel, and you see what happens. I mean, he could probably, if guys hit every open shot he was creating, could argue that he might get 14 or 15 assists per game. Like he's been that good as a playmaker. He's been unbelievable. Like, sorry, keep going. And for him to now look like he can beat playoff caliber defenders is a massive deal. Because if if you look back at that Toronto series, for example, long stretches of that series, he just could not get by guys like Ananobi and Siakam and guys who are, you know, 6'7", 6'8", type players that are athletic and long and are just annoying to get past. If he's beaten up those type of guys in isolation, that is such a huge weapon for them, whether it's with Joel and he gets a favorable matchup because of switching, if it's against bench units and teams have to throw two on the ball at him. The whole thing last year is that teams figured out eventually that if they just left him in single coverage and said, go ahead, James, see if you can beat this guy, that was a winning recipe for opponents last year. You put two on the ball against James, he's finding the open shooter. So now the fact that you can't really do either without winning that matchup as an opponent, that I mean, they become essentially unguardable as long as Joel is making shots. So I think that's a huge deal. I think, obviously, wait and see. James has had some meltdowns in the playoffs, and there have been some bad moments for him there. He's got to prove himself not as much as Joel does, but arguably, Honestly, maybe even more so just yeah, because more. he's I mean, already, you know, yeah. top 75 all time. He's deeper into his career, blah, blah, blah. So a lot on the line for James and whether that weighs on him and he's able to do this when it counts is a, 
another story. But I think if we're just judging what we're seeing right now and what we should expect from James moving forward, I, I think he looks great. And I think, you know, honestly, the big story might be less about this season and more about that guy's opting out and asking for the full max. And you yeah. either give it to him or he's leaving because he's not he is worth that in this current form. And I don't think he's taking less than that if I had to guess. So maybe like the ultimate compliment I can give James Harden is I came into the year, not wanting to hate on him, but I was extremely skeptical and it was going to take a lot for me to be like, okay, yeah, he's really good. Like it just was, he's really good. He's unbelievable. And last night um, during the Cavs game, I was texting with some of my friends and we were debating in seriousness, like who would you rather have Harden or Donovan Mitchell? And if you would have told me going into the year that that would have been a legitimate question. Now, I think Mitchell is the answer because of his age, ultimately. But Harden is a way better playmaker than Mitchell is. Like, Mitchell's a better scorer. But you saw last night, and to your point, like, Harden, just what he does for the team, he could be at 14, 15 assists if people made their shots. And there's also stretches of the game where the Sixers can't score if he's not out there. Like, as great as Embiid is, he comes in and runs the offense, and I just – like Embiid's the better player for sure. And he is the most important player, but you can make the argument Harden is almost right there with him in terms of just how good he is in his level of importance. Again, Embiid is above him, but I think Harden is just, is, is right there with him. Like my question for you would be, and you mentioned earlier in the year compared to now, do you think he's just more comfortable? Like, why do you think he's getting better as the year is going on? He's just, I mean, part of it, he's further removed from this hamstring issue that dogged him you know, most of the last year and a half, two years. I cannot believe that he recovered from this. Like how many players at that age have a hamstring injury for two years or whatever it is. And then you can legitimately say, oh yeah, he recovered from it. Like it's a miracle. I thought he was Gonzo. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, Chris Paul went through a similar thing, right? He got hurt at the end of their run in 2018. It's basically the reason they lost to the Warriors when mm-hmm. they would have beaten essentially the greatest team of all time or the greatest collection of talent of all time. Um, but Chris Paul gets hurt. They lose in game seven because they went over 27 or missed 27 straight threes or whatever it was in game seven. And then the next year, 2019, 2018, 19, Chris Paul basically couldn't move because his hamstring yeah. was so screwed up. And he gets dumped to OKC for Russell Westbrook. And people thought Chris Paul's career was essentially over. And then Chris Paul, as he gets further removed from that injury, has this resurgent year with the Thunder. He gets traded to Phoenix. They go on a finals run. And now it's, you know, Chris Paul's just old now. So it's it's tough to, to, yeah. <laughs> to do much of anything. But I'll say, like, Chris Paul had that sort of resurgence. And he was a couple years older than James is now. So I think it's a similar thing. I I think the question with James was, you know, his habits off the off the court have not always been, you know, loved by people around him. He, he does. And I think he puts in the work. He obviously cares about his craft, but it was a question of whether James's lifestyle would catch up to him. And then you compound that with the injury and what have you. But all credit to him. He's been awesome. He's gotten himself back to this spot. Whether it's going to hold up over the long term, I guess, is the big question. You never know. But I think he's he's lived up to his end of the bargain and then some. He's, you know, the Sixers right now, as it stands at the All-Star break, they have the sixth best offense in the league and the sixth best defense in the league. That is the profile of an inner circle 
finals contender. And yeah. you know, I think James has been, I would say for the offensive side of the ball, he's been the single biggest factor in reaching that offensive spot because as good as Joel has been, he can't get the offense going the way James can. And when it was just Joel, the defense was much better. You know, they're playing at like a top three defensive level with basically nobody around him. But the the offense went off of a cliff. And as soon as James comes back, they're basically the best offense in the league from that point forward. And so, I look, the guy's been great. He's going to demand a lot in the offseason. We'll probably deserve it depending on what happens in the playoffs. And this is the first time in years that I think you can feel confident in you know, the co-star that Joel has alongside him. I mean, dude, like even calling him a co-star is almost a little bit, you know, undermining what he is. Let me ask you this crazy hypothetical. If you could only have one player for the playoffs, like if the sick, if one of them is going to get hurt, would you rather have Joel or Harden? I'd rather have Joel, but I I think people would not be happy watching this team without you. I I think the drop off from James to Tyrese as a playmaker it is so significant and i think you'd see a lot of you know just going east west side to side possessions that are not doing much of anything now maybe the defense gets better because james has still not exactly been locked in but even that like against cleveland the first half i thought was one of his best defensive halves i've ever seen him play like truly locked in flying around the floor he's beating guys to spots and that was part of why I mean, they went into halftime up almost 30 points. So that was a, it's a great well, performance for the first 24 minutes, maybe not the final, but they did get the wins.